0: Productions presents: Laugh, Literature, and Film. To kill a mockingbird is the silence the song that seduces you. Why? Cause you need that desire in your heart
1: to survive. And you. Need All right, it's so good stuff. Yeah, it's the Laugh Podcast. Oh yeah, the Literature and Film Podcast. Today we're going to talk about some literature. Only two books ever written by Harper Lee. This month, Ghost Set a Watchman, the sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, came out. And uh, I think it were 1.1 1. 1 million downloads, or uh, it sold 1.1 1. 1 million copies.
0: Well, on Amazon in like the first week or yeah. something. Yeah.
1: But it didn't break the record. Deathly Hollows*, I think, is the record.
0: Still, this did incredibly well.
1: And uh, To Kill a Mockingbird
0: still sells a million copies a year. So, uh, Well, To Kill a Mockingbird is the most widely taught novel in America in the school systems.
1: That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit. The
0: world never seems as fresh and wonderful, as comforting and terrifying, as good and evil as it does when seen through the eyes of a child. For a writer to capture that feeling is remarkable. Perhaps that is why one book, the last few years, has been so warmly embraced by tens of millions of people.
1: To Kill a Mockingbird, winner of the Pulitzer Prize, just about every other award, a book can win. And now, happily, To Kill a Mockingbird becomes a motion picture and its memorable characters come vividly alive. I've been appointed to defend Tom Robinson. Now that he's been charged, that's what I intend to do. So that was Gregory Peck, and he starred in the uh, film adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. Now, what's your experience with the book there, Mr. Two Frames?
0: Uh, I originally read it in ninth grade, and I've been teaching it for the last eight years. Whew.
1: Are you are you sort of burned out on it?
0: No, I still enjoy it. Really? But, yeah, I'm a weirdo when it comes to teaching. I like to do the exact same thing year after year after year.
1: But how does that make you a weirdo? Isn't that what most, teachers do?
0: Most teachers try and avoid that. I find they they try to do things differently. I I will do the exact same thing again and again and again. Well, it just makes your job easier. Yeah, but I also I don't mind that. How do math teachers approach it? <laughs> they don't change things, do they? Two plus two is still two. Maybe try and do a different worksheet. Whatever. I, I mean, I I, I like I doing the performance again and again and trying to recapture all those moments. But, I mean, I was also a lifeguard uh-huh. when I was younger. I, I like these repetitive task-type jobs. All right. So, so, yeah, but I've been teaching it eight years. I've seen the movie 30 times now.
1: So you enjoy the book itself, To Kill a Mockingbird. You must have read it several times over now, mm-hmm. including all the time that you read in class. Probably seen the movie 25 times, 30 times. Yep. And do you enjoy both of them still.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Still enjoy it. What about you?
1: Well, I taught To Kill a Mockingbird for a number of years. I watched the movie. I don't like the movie, and I like the book as a collection of short stories. But I don't like the overarching narrative of it necessarily. I have some criticisms about the book, which might be interesting to get into. mm mm-hmm. uh, But I like the book a little bit more than the movie. So in terms of To Kill a Mockingbird, it turned 50 in 2010. And uh, Eileen Reynolds, writing in The New Yorker, asked this question, whose story is it, To Kill a Mockingbird? Is it Scout, Atticus, or Boo? And there's a, there's a book by uh, Wally Lamb, Scout, Atticus, and Boo. So essentially this story is about, uh, or it's told from the perspective of a, of a grown-up uh, narrator, Jean Louise Finch. Looking back, back on her life as a young uh, scout and tells story of her <coughs> and her uh, father's. Uh, I guess he takes on a, a case of someone that's been falsely accused of rape, a black man that's been falsely accused of rape in uh, 1930s Depression era uh, Deep South mm-hmm. set in Alabama. And I guess it also tells the story of her running around with her brother and a young character named Dill and uh there's this weird guy that lives in a house across the street from them that they sort of have developed or manufactured this uh history around his name is Boo Boo Radley and uh i guess it's sort of the intersection of those people's stories so mm-hmm. what say you what do you think whose story is this to kill a mockingbird the book
0: um the book is set up as a bildungsroman which is just a fancy way of saying a coming-of-age tale. Though Scout, uh, as the narrator, acts more like um, the narrator Ishmael in Moby Dick. She Um, lives in the end. Well, She lives in the end, but also in the first half of the story, she's an active character. Ishmael's an active character in Moby Dick. During the second half of the book, they just become objective observers. They have very little action in the story. Very little actually happens to them. They're focusing more on other characters. And this is where we really see the courtroom scenes. Uh, we get much more into the entire trial and the Tom Robinson story. Mm-hmm. Scout is merely an observer, and we're seeing the story through her eyes. And it's an it's an interesting plot device. I wish it was used more often. So you see it as Scout's story? Mm, it's set up as hers. But
1: but like, I, I like that the... the... The narrative frame of that of a, of a of a woman looking back on her life and then uh, acting as as sort of the narr- an objective narrator uh, in a subjective sort of way it's that, that mixture of first and third person is pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, so structurally it's a very uh i wouldn't say complicated novel but it 's a sophisticated novel
0: in that sense so it's a very teachable novel when you're Going in front of students and trying to show them how complicated a novel can be, trying to show them this advanced plot structure, the symbols that I'm sure we'll talk about as we go through this podcast. There's just a lot to teach. It really opens up kids' eyes to uh, the world of literature.
1: Doesn't it depress you when at the end of the book they still think Scout's a boy? (laughs) (laughs) They do. (laughs) There's probably people right now that are listening that are surprised to find out that Scout's a little girl.
0: I've had kids write me essays. about how they didn't like the book even though that wasn't the topic of their essay Um, because How to Kill a Mockingbird never taught you how to kill a mockingbird right
1: it's like Homer Simpson said I swore never to read again after To Kill a Mockingbird gave me no useful advice on killing mockingbirds (laughs) it did teach me how to judge a man based or not judge a man based on the color of his skin but what good does that do me
0: (laughs) no I mean I, I like it do I have problems with the story sure and You know, you teach it beginning of the year, generally in the fall, and then at the end of the year, we go back to it, and I can make the kids see it in a completely different light, and I can trash Atticus before their eyes, because he is really a jerk.
1: (laughs) Well, he's set up as a perfect lawyer, perfect father, Mm -hmm. perfect shot.
0: But if you actually look at his actions in the story, he turns out to be a huge jerk.
1: Well, not overall, but... Uh, I mean, you, you can make the argument, but I don't think most kids are going to agree with you.
0: Oh, uh, I think a lot of them agree. All right. But, so, I mean, it make basically, your argument. Uh, during the trial, he goes after Mayella Yule, and right. he points out to her that Tom couldn't possibly have attacked her because he has a bad arm. He got caught in a cotton gin when he was 12, I believe. And she just breaks down on the stand and flees. He could have brought all this up when her father was on the stand.
1: Yeah, but it's possible that it didn't occur to him until that, until that scene. That he's that, not a great lawyer. Well, he might not, not be smart. a great lawyer, but that doesn't make him a jerk.
0: Okay, I, I don't think that there's enough in the novel to make you think that he didn't know all this ahead of time. Right, but again, he's a... The screenplay hints at it, but he should have said all this to Bob Ewell. He should have, because Bob Ewell is the one who masterminded this whole cover-up and the accusations against Tom Robinson. He's also beating his daughter, so she's scared for her own life. So right. she has so to he's... go along with this. And Atticus could have gone to the judge ahead of time and said, "Look, this never needs to go to trial. Let's deal with this quietly."
1: Maybe he needed. He would. He would say, "In order to effectively defend my client, I need to create the biggest spectacle I can in the courtroom, and I need to. I need to choose." The girl to pick on instead of uh, instead of Bob Ewell. Yeah, he might have been able to lie his way out of it. It might not have been as um, effective in terms of the presentation.
0: No. All
1: right. I still I don't think that that makes him necessarily a jerk. He pits on a defenseless girl who accused someone of
0: rape because her father beats her and she was afraid. She still accused him of rape. What What was she supposed to do? She She has to live with this man. Yeah, I don't know. She She has no other options. I mean, the book sets up that she's not intelligent at all. But she, she also a...
1: seduced Tom, and she would have to admit that she seduced him, and then, and then try to. Uh, I I'm trying to think of how it happens in the novel. Didn't she call him in to break up a shiver robe?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and uh, and, and then the she comes the on to children
0: him. are right, and it took her a slap year to save up seven nickels <laughs> to send them to go get some ice cream. Right, so she sent off these people
1: so that she could get close to a uh, to the. You know, the virile Tom Robinson. The
0: only person who was ever nice to her.
1: So she's culpable in that sense, in terms of like... Oh, she is. So that, I mean, I don't really feel sorry for May Ellie. But anyway, go on. Anything else? Uh,
0: I can understand that you don't feel sorry for her, but she's not the worst person here.
1: No. I mean, honestly,
0: none of this should have gone to trial. There were many other ways to deal with this. When they f- and the whole you... idea that this is justice, because Tom Robinson's story got told to the public, even though he loses the court trial and later on he loses his life.
1: Yeah, but my point is that doesn't like shed a poor light on on uh, Atticus Finch. Like He's not going around saying, hey, I told the truth. Everybody knows the truth now. Look at me. I'm wonderful Atticus Finch. Yay. <laughs> that doesn't make him a jerk just because uh, Tom Robinson dies in the end. Maybe his approach to it is kind of weird when they come in and they tell him at the very end, oh,
0: yeah, Tom Robinson ran away. And,
1: you know, because that that's not a, that's a lie.
0: Yeah. Um. The the deputy shot to wound and hit him 17 times. Yeah. And then he's just like,
1: huh? oh, well, it's just something that
0: happens, I guess.
1: That sort of silent racism or maybe not racism, but uh, what about the whole lynching scene it?
0: or the attempted lynching scene? Yeah. How does that make him a jerk? He lets his children, he stands behind his children, puts them up front. If the children didn't show up, what was going to happen? Was there just going to be a massive shooting? A whole bunch of people were going to go and get killed? Because Mr. Underwood, the uh, town newspaper editor, he's got a shotgun and he was hanging out the window.
1: I don't know if Atticus knew that, though.
0: Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure Atticus knew he was up there. I
1: can't remember how they present it in the... In but all the... these
0: other guys show up drunk and with guns.
1: Right, I think that Atticus feels that he's going to be able to talk him out of it. <sighs> I mean, I think that's why he's there. He's just sitting there reading a book when they pull up. He's trying to play it cool. He He's going to try to reason with him,
0: I think. And if not, things are going to get very violent and very bloody. Yeah, but then at least he will have stood up for justice. Would he have taken the time to explain to these guys, hey, look, Tom Romson only has one arm? No, because they don't care.
1: Bob Yule was one of the people in the lynch mob, I think.
0: Mm-mm. What, no? No, I know he's not named in there.
1: Cunningham was. Yeah. That does, still, that doesn't make him a jerk. That doesn't make Atticus a jerk.
0: There were much better ways to deal with this. How? You could have spread the news about Tom Romsen and pointed out to the public ahead of time that there's no way he could have done this to Mayella Yule.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They were going to bring him up on I trial. Mean, they were going to bring him to trial anyway. The system was set up against him ever. Really? Yeah. That's the whole point of the novel.
0: No, no, no. Well, the, the jury is bad, but the judge is awesome. Het Tate, the sheriff, is awesome. He's a good guy.
1: Yeah, but the communi- the system is a reflection of the community. The community wants, hmm. or, or else they wouldn't have accepted uh, or given a guilty plea to Tom Robinson.
0: What's interesting... Is in *Ghost of the Watchmen, Atticus actually wins the trial.
1: No, I I, I, I guess I glanced over yeah, that. Yeah, he
0: actually won. Hmm, that's strange. Yeah, that was one of the details that got changed from well, you, *Ghost you know, of the Watchmen to uh, the writing of To Kill a Mockingbird. Huh,
1: uh, Amasa uh, Finch, or I'm sorry, uh, Lee, Amasa Lee is her father. Um, when I say her, I mean Harper Lee's father, mm-hmm. the author of the book. Uh, she based some of uh, Atticus on on his actual real-life experience, so it's sort of autobiographical the, or biographical in that sense. But um, in 1919, he defended two black men who were found guilty, and he left the law, the practice of law after that. So he became a newspaper publisher. Hmm. When she was 10 years old, Harper Lee, a white woman was accused of raping a black man, and he was found guilty, got the death sentence. I think uh, Harper Lee's father, Amasa's newspaper, printed a bunch of letters in support of this man, and his uh, death sentence was commuted to life in prison. So in a way, I mean, the historical basis for this character seems to be less of a jerk than what you're presenting in the novel, the novelized version of him in To Kill a Mockingbird.
0: The novel uh, moves the plot forward for the greatest dramatic um, emphasis right it's not if Atticus is as logical and as smart as he is said to be in the novel he would not have had the events play out in this way it's, I do think it's a huge plot hole
1: uh, I don't know I don't know if it's huge or not I mean right. it's there you make an an interesting argument but I still think that most people are not going to accept that that viewpoint that Atticus
0: is a jerk well we don't want to think Atticus is bad and um isn't that why a lot of people have had trouble with Ghosts at a Watchman?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that the the media elite, the nuevo liberal elitists, lionize Atticus and they have this vision of him. And that's why when Ghosts at a Watchman sort of brings up a different narrative mm-hmm. surrounding uh, Atticus Finch that they've had such a negative reaction to it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I also think To Kill a Mockingbird's interesting but I think Ghost of the Watchmen is much more interesting because it talks a whole lot more about the politics of the time.
1: No, really, I don't think it's interesting. Really? I read it, and it was compelling because I wanted to see what the big deal was, but I didn't think it was great writing.
0: I didn't think it was great writing, but but seeing how the politics of the time were in the South and this whole idea of how do you deal with uh, integration of the races. And seeing that there are these differing ideas and that people really hadn't figured it out when Ghost of the Watchmen was written. And there was no historical basis before this to figure out how do you bring two races together.
1: Right. So you're saying that the theme is more compelling than the whole justice idea?
0: I think the history of it. Okay. And I mean Atticus, while he does argue some racist points of view, he's also arguing for state rights.
1: I think it's dealt with kind of clumsily in the book.
0: Yeah, but I found it interesting to read about state rights and being a Jeffsonian a Jeffersonian Democrat.
1: But didn't you the 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 book itself didn't really illuminate much about that. Maybe psychologically it illuminates something about that perspective, but it, it doesn't really tell you what that was all about. Like you're not even really sure what the court case is that they're even talking about. They they don't really spell out what was it, Brown versus Plessy or something? What was what was the what was the, uh, the ruling by this Supreme Court that got them all up in arms?
0: I'm assuming it's Brown versus the Board of Education, which was ha- 1954.
1: But you have to assume that they
0: don't even really spell that out. Yeah, but they also don't tell you what the Tenth Amendment is. They're trusting that you're smart enough to know that the Tenth Amendment is whatever rights that aren't specifically given to the federal government are the rights of the states.
1: How does that how does that tie into the narrative of Go Set a Watchman, and how does that make that an interesting book? I, just because you have some insight into the 10th well, would, Amendment.
0: And... Yeah, I mean, I have some insight because that's come up a lot more um, beginning of the summer, I guess, late spring, when uh, the Supreme Court ruled on gay marriage. Right. A lot of the counter arguments were involving state rights. Right. So, you know, it still does play a little bit into our culture or in our society right now. It's just most people don't want to read into it. I love reading all, into all that stuff <laughs> and reading you know transcripts that go on for 60 70 pages wait so
1: you that you, doesn't happen in go set a watchman no but I, it doesn't transcripts don't go on for six or seven no, no but they just kind of mention what but
0: I, I mean there. i'm reading i guess i'm reading everything that's going on culturally right now with us and when court cases are mentioned i will actually go and read the actual court documents so when i was reading go set a watchman a lot of this stuff i thought resonated because of right now what's been going on with um, gay marriage mm-hmm. And the whole idea of state rights, apparently back in the 50s, there was a lot of stuff going on with state rights versus the federal government stepping in and telling the states what you're going to do. And I think it's interesting that Atticus Finch doesn't want the federal government getting involved. He wants to handle his own business.
1: Well, yeah, In the I business mean that, of his town. That's part of the perspective that he brings up. And that's part of his point of view.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because that's one of the things that critics... Don't like about Atticus in *Go to a Watchman*, and maybe leads them to believe he's more of a racist. But in *To Kill a Mockingbird*, people like that Atticus is an individual; that he is the town leader, and he's leading the town to do what's right.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that they're, they're because he represents two different points of view that they're projecting onto him. The people that are upset about Atticus Finch and *Go to a Watchman* think that it's the same character, and it's not. Yeah,
0: but... It's not the same guy. But he's still motivated to do what's right and to follow the law.
1: I think the ghost set of Watchman is telling a different story, and I think they're using different characters. I, I don't think... It's like, um, like Greek mythology. There's a different um, Hercules, depending on who's telling the story. There's a different uh, Oedipus. The Romans uh, version of Ulysses is very different than the Greek version. Of Odysseus, and I think that there's a similar contrast between the Atticus of
0: *Ghost Side of a Watchman* and the Atticus of *To Kill a Mockingbird*. I don't think that they're the same character. No, I would say in *Ghost Side of a Watchman*, he's much more interested in politics. where in *To Kill a Mockingbird*, they've chosen to highlight his morality and also the way he rears his children.
1: The *Ghost Side of a Watchman* was the was among the first drafts mm-hmm. of *To Kill a Mockingbird*. And uh, Tay Hohoff is the editor of, uh, or was the editor in 1955 or 1960. Uh, when was it published?
0: 1960?
1: 1960. And uh, I guess she started writing it around 54, 55. She submitted "Ghost Set a Watchman, supposedly, and uh, he told her to go back and rewrite it. And they, they made several changes. Mm-hmm. Or she, working with him, Made several changes to the character and to the novel and or to uh, the the whole time frame, which um, I mean I think that To Kill a Mockingbird then becomes a much better novel, a much better story, much more interesting story than what happened with Ghost Set a Watchman. So if people don't if they if people think of Ghost Set a Watchman as a direct sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird, then you can understand why they become disillusioned.
0: Yeah, but. Because unfortunately, the publishing companies kind of made it sound like this was going to be a sequel. They right. played fast the and loose the with the history. Sequel. Yeah, Kill Mo Mockingbirds. <laughs> yeah, I think this would have been even more interesting to read if you could see the editor's notes in the margins in red letters. You know, yeah, talking maybe about will, changes.
1: They might bring that. I mean, Harper Collins yeah. might. I mean, just present that.
0: You can definitely see how the character of Atticus got refined. And you, I mean, when I was reading it, I could almost feel like the author was falling in love with the character of Atticus and seeing what he could be. He becomes a much more likable character as the story goes on.
1: Well, ironically, Ghost Set a Watchman does not have the impact of that it does now without To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So the disillusionment that the narrator or the uh, character of Jean Louise Finch in Ghost Set a Watchman is experienced by the uh, audience who fell in love with Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. So if Ghost of the Watchmen was the only novel and it existed in this sort of form and To Kill a Mockingbird didn't exist, then it would not have that sort of resonance. It wouldn't have that sort of impact. You wouldn't feel, a lot of people felt betrayed uh, by this novel. They they. I mean, I was thinking of some kids that may have just read it, like some ninth graders that just read it last year and fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. If they, they ran out and got To Kill a Mockingbird, I wonder what their response was. I'm sorry, Ghost of the Watchman. I wonder what their response was to it in light of the um, the change that is presented between the two characters, between Atticus into Kill a Mockingbird and Atticus and Ghost of the Watchman. So I think that they were really disillusioned. And then that's just the general point of the novel. So yeah, it's good.
0: I mean, I love the whole idea of adaptation. I love seeing how movies come about and reading about the various changes to the movie scripts. There's a documentary that hopefully we'll get to watch and hopefully even review later this year on the show, The Death of Superman Lives. This was uh, the Superman movie that was going to star uh, Nicolas Cage. Cage. It was written in part by Kevin Smith, and there was lots of studio involvement. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't want Superman to be able to fly. He had to fight a robot spider. There's all just this weird and bad choices for the character Superman. Eventually, people went, yeah, we're not going to make this movie. It would just be wrong. And I think, you know, Ghost of the Watchmen, the original editors, realized that while there are parts that are interesting, it does need to be reworked.
1: Well, you have to go back and refine it. Mm -hmm. Now... The question is how much of the original manuscript still exists in the version that they put out. The Recently, this ghost set a watchman that came out that was published last month, how much was, was that added to after To Kill a Mockingbird? Or how much was added to that novel after To
0: Kill a Mockingbird was published? I, I would guess quite a bit. Because there's a big question
1: about authorship. There's a bunch of controversy surrounding it. Um, Joe in, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Sarah, I think, mm-hmm. writing in the New York Times op-ed, called it a fraud. I mean, he said Ghost of the Watchman was just and uh, there's a lot of links online that you can go to to sort of look at the controversy surrounding it. But apparently, her sister was in charge of the novel itself and keeping, I guess, Harper Lee's image out of the public eye. And they didn't want she didn't want this book published, or she apparently. Never wanted to publish another book at all and wanted to remain just this silent, um, you know, Mm -hmm. school marmish.
0: I mean, apparently Harper Lee stopped giving interviews in the 60s.
1: I think she talked to Oprah, but not on tape. And she told Oprah that the reason that she doesn't want to go on television or doesn't want to give interviews or doesn't want to be in the public eye is because she feels that she is boo. She told her that I am that character boo is is Mm -hmm. me. So she's painfully shy. And her sister uh who worked at the law firm until the age of ninety nine yeah yeah uh Alice, she dies, mm-hmm. and then some other lawyer gets her hands on the manuscript and then that's and then there's a bunch of nefarious things that go on surrounding that. Now we have this other novel,
0: yeah, the New York Times has a bunch of really interesting articles that gives the full timeline of how the manuscript was found, and they're different viewpoints on when the manuscript was found. and
1: I'd like to go back and see what, what they, uh, like the changes that were made by, not Harper Lee, but whoever it is, maybe Harper Lee. I mean, who knows? Maybe she did, at the age of 87, <laughs> start revisiting her novel and make some changes to it. There's well, long passages that are very similar from, in both novels.
0: The other thing that hasn't gotten talked much about is Harper Lee was uh, childhood friends with Truman Capote. The author yeah. of *In Cold Blood* and supposedly
1: Gill was based. He on
0: helped her edit this quite a bit. Some people said he even wrote pretty much all of *To Kill a Mockingbird*.
1: Well, when you say some people, you mean Truman Capote. <laughs> That's what he claims, I think, or he lets some of his surrogates claim that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if *Ghost of the Watchman* is before he got involved, I would love to see his correspondence with Harper Lee and what his suggestions were and any of his notes.
1: Well, uh, he was famously upset that. She won the Pulitzer Prize and he didn't, and he. Uh, I think that they like they stopped being friends after that for a long time. I, I don't know if they ever really reconciled.
0: I don't know. So, but I mean, it, I guess there's a whole lot of history, and it's pretty interesting. Gregory Pett's son was asked if he thought his father would star in Ghost of a Watchman if it was ever turned into a film. You know, if they actually did this as a sequel, he's like, I don't know. And then they're like, well, do you think this book should be published? And he was quoted as saying, to me, it was an unedited draft. Do you want to put that early version out there or do you want to put it in the University of Alabama's archives for only scholars to look at? What, did he read the book before it was published? I don't know if he got a hold of it ahead of time, but I think it's an interesting point. What do you think? Do you think it should have been published? Yeah. Okay. I think it should be out there for people to study I think yeah. it needs to be put in the proper light It's not a sequel, it's a draft It's an interesting document
1: I don't think it's a very good first draft I don't think it's a very good book
0: Well, our first draft's supposed to be good um, huh. Most of the Advice that I've read from writers Is they say get out that first draft As quick as you can As painful as it is, as bad as it is Just get it written So you can move on to editing and refining
1: well, in 1964, Lee writing talking about that said herself that uh, novels lacked cra- lack craftsmanship, and she really appreciates um, novelists that love language and that will take the uh, a good idea and work a good idea into the into a gem of an idea. So she, I mean, I think that she practiced that maybe with. Uh, Dill's help or uh, Truman Capote's help but at least the novel or the version to kill a mockingbird is the is probably the best version that she could have written at the time mm-hmm. so she polished the gem and then sent it out there and it was something for her to be proud of
0: yeah no way too many people want stuff rushed out um George R, R. Martin the guy who wrote game of thrones or is still writing game of thrones The fans now want him to hurry up and get these last two books done, even though he's been working on this whole series since the early 90s. I mean, he's not rushing it. It, It's taking him time, but he's crafting it. You know
1: he was in Sharknado 3. (laughs) No, he was? Yeah. I don't know if it's a cameo or not, but the guy was talking about it online.
0: Yeah. um, Who's the guy that wrote Silence of the Lambs? Uh, Joel uh, Harris? Yeah, Thomas Harris? Yeah. He took, I think it was like eight years in between Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, and then it was almost like twenty years before he put out Hannibal. And he was forced to do that. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, because apparently they were going to make a movie. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, the rights were going to run out, and then after Hannibal, he had apparently also sold off the rights for Young Hannibal, the mm. one where Hannibal he's a like grad medical student. Yeah, you're the
1: Hannibal Afficianado. That was on made into.
0: Harris had to hurry up, and I think he wrote that book in under eighteen months, and it's horrible.
1: Yeah, he's disavowed it since.
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you write, if you read Red Dragon or Sounds of the Lambs, those are excellent books. But clearly, there was a lot of craftsmanship that went into it, lots and lots of revisions.
1: Yeah, she. Well, I'm. I don't think that learned people would consider this to be a sequel, and would take it as a, as a draft, a first draft. And it seems it seems a shame that the controversy surrounding it is sort of. Um, Taking some of the luster off of uh, Atticus Finch and Harper Lee's legacy. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a shame, but I, I'm not really that jazzed out about it.
0: I know you're not set to teach ninth grade next year. Would you teach any parts of *Ghost of a Watchman* to a class of ninth graders?
1: Uh, probably not. Nah, it's not worth it as a, it's not even worth it as a companion piece. I'd rather, if I were going to do this, I would I would probably teach *To Kill a Mockingbird* and pair it with Twelve Angry Men* something like that because that that would be the way a jury should work maybe 12 really? angry men that's, well i mean that's just one of the worst of,
0: juries in history
1: well i mean they get the right
0: outcome they do exactly what a jury's not supposed to do exactly what you don't want a jury to do
1: what uh come up with a correct outcome and the correct verdict
0: well, one we don't know what happened that night two you're only supposed to decide on what's presented to you the evidence that's presented to you they come up with alternate theories well yeah they, they discuss it but they go above and beyond what a jury's supposed to do and what they're allowed to do by law
1: wait you think that the kid really uh killed the man you think that he should have been found guilty because they yes. there was only you based think on
0: should... the evidence that was presented at the trial and what the defense argued mm-hmm. wh- what and instead one of the ju- jurors gets to be a defense lawyer uh
1: no, I think that it, I think that you have a responsibility to when you're on a jury you have a responsibility to come up with the correct verdict. So,
0: but you can only go on what's uh, been given to you. It'd be to
1: interesting you. to see the, um, what the author thought.
0: What was the HBO series about uh the millionaire who's also the murderer that we've talked about on laugh?
1: Oh, not not uh, the staircase.
0: Yeah, it's like Fink uh, or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He's...
0: Uh But he was on trial down in Texas, and his defense team did a wonderful job of arguing. And when they interviewed the people on the jury, they said, we thought the guy was guilty, but we had to go on what the evidence was and what was presented to us in the court case. Okay. So the guy got off. Well, yeah. That's the way it's supposed to work. You only get to decide on the evidence that you're given. You can't go off other stuff. You can't make up theories on your own as a jurist.
1: Yeah, all right.
0: I'll just say that's how the legal system is actually set up to work. 12 Angry Men is a horrible example of the legal system.
1: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: yeah, you, you are
1: disillusioning everybody, just like Harper Lee did mm. with with her ghost set a Watchmen.
0: Way to go. Way, not, way, I like to, 12 Angry Men. I like to, to watch it, it. <laughs> but it, it's not
1: good uh, law. Huh. All right. Fair enough. What do you think of the movie, To Kill a Mockingbird?
0: I think it's very well done. Uh, the cinematography is great. Um, opening credits is one of the best opening credits I think I've ever seen. Uh, you're watching Scout doodle and play with these little toys. You you see her hands and you hear her like murmuring a little song to herself. You really get inside the mind of this little kid through the narration. Um, a lot of my kids, after they watch the movie, they forget that it's in black and white. So what? clearly. What do you mean they forget? How do they... they. They don't remember. You have to like remind them, you know, that movie was in black and white. No, it wasn't. And for these kids who are so hyper aware of when you're showing them an old movie, hey, yeah. I think it's magical that they they just kind of forget. They're... I don't know if you have brilliant kids. No, I think that they're just taken in by the story. Hmm. They they lose themselves to it, so you stop noticing those ancillary little details like color. <laughs> wow. Um, what do you think of it?
1: I don't, I don't really like the movie. I don't like, and I, I just don't like the way that uh, it's paced. I understand what you're saying about some of the cinematography, but then there's so
0: many things that are sort of left out. It's considered one of the greatest adaptations ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's taking a very thick novel and paring it down to two hours.
1: That's not a very thick novel. It's 400 pages. uh, It's like 373, I would say. There's there's so many problems with the presentation of, uh, like, this family unit that – you know, where the kids are just sort of running around with a father that's only half interested, wants to come in at times and give words of wisdom. But then he doesn't really want to have much to do with raising the kids. And they sort of run wild in this uh, in the story. And then I always have a problem with the ending where the Boo Radley character is just in the corner of her room and she notices him and she's like, oh, there he is right over there. But that's and the he way it like happens lurks up. That doesn't make it a good book.
0: But it doesn't make the, it a
1: bad movie. It for, does make it a bad movie. It for being does make it a faithful
0: it, adaptation.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a weakness in the plot. Hmm. That they could have this person that's decidedly violent, um, that just killed a man. He's never come out of the house except like to sneak around into the in the bushes at late at night and uh, now he's murdered somebody and he's just sort of in the corner of this little girl's bedroom. And I'm not sure exactly how it works out in the novel, but in the movie the presentation of events is such that I just sort of roll my eyes and I, I get completely taken out of it, or I got completely taken out of it. So I, the initial viewing of the movie, I was just like, that's just too stupid for me, <laughs> and uh, I guess I've never really gotten over it.
0: All right, Th- there's a scene before that when Scout and Jem are walking home from the school play, and Scout's in her ham costume. Yeah, I love that scene because I think the first year I ever taught, it, I had a kid transfer in and walked into the class right as that scene was coming on. He's like, what is this movie? Because it's just a boy walking through the woods with a ham while this yeah. glorious music right. f- you know, fills the room. And he's like, what is this? And I thought, wow, yeah. If you just saw this one scene, you would have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Girl dressed up like a ham. Yeah. The heartwarming story of a boy with his <laughs> ham. <laughs> the magical journey they go on together and that was the longest evening that Gemini ever had. So, oh, I'm getting that line wrong.
1: So did he ever watch the rest of the movie or read the rest of the book and find out what was going on or did someone have to explain it to him?
0: No, he came in at the end of the year. I think we took the test. That the was his last period. How did he do on the test? I didn't make him take the test. Oh, okay.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, Mary huh. the girl that plays Scout. Did you ever see her in any other movies? I don't remember seeing her in anything yeah, else. It's the... Uh, the guy that plays Gill, I've never seen him. But the guy that plays Boo Radley grows up to be Robert Duvall.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Arguably made a couple decent films over the yeah.
1: years. Uh, and Gregory Peck, I think he won an Academy Award for it. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm sort of in the minority in my uh, sort of disavowal of To Kill a Mockingbird as a movie. But it's, just, it's tiresome for me. And I don't like the theme. Elmer Bernstein's theme music that overlays the... Uh, titles. The title sequence at the beginning I find tiresome. Oh, no. And then it, I'm just like, oh, here we go again. It's another two hours of this stuff. So To Kill a Mockingbird is only the 10th best movie of 1962. Really? <laughs> yeah. Gregory Peck's second best movie of 1962. He was in Cape Fear. And that's mm-hmm. not even the best version of that movie.
0: Oh, you prefer the Robert De Niro? Yeah.
1: And It's only the third best movie of 1962 with the word bird in the title.
0: You're not going to say Birdman of Alcatraz, are you? Yeah.
1: And Sweet Bird of Youth, starring Paul Newman and Geraldine Page. Some other movies that are better than this, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. It's my top ten movies of all time. And uh, you would agree, Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Peter O'Toole was robbed at the Academy Awards that year.
1: Orson Welles,
0: uh, The
1: Trial. You ever see that movie about, Mm -hmm. um, uh, not Gregor Samsa, who's the guy?
0: That's his third feature film? No. After the... Oh,
1: no, this is Orson Welles' like probably 20th film. Really? Yeah, Franz Kafka, not Gregor Samsa. Franz Kafka's The Trial. I thought for a number of years
0: he wasn't able to make Oh, he didn't work in Hollywood,
1: that's right. Yeah, you're right, he didn't work in Hollywood. He did some stuff overseas, though. Okay. Like in France. Uh, that's my take on To Kill a
0: Mockingbird. Yeah, I think that's fine. I I don't think To Kill a Mockingbird is aging very well. I'm not sure if we're still going to be teaching in schools in another 20 years. I
1: don't know. Maybe, I think it's, it's the one novel, though, that acts as a cultural touchstone. It's the one literary shared experience that people have. That's why the Hollywood elites are sort of uh, latched onto it like the nu- Nouveau Literati. <laughs> mm-hmm. That everybody can use this as a reference point to say that this is the one novel that we've that we sort of share as a culture. I think it's just going to have more resonance as it oh. as we continue. This ghost set of Watchmen may have taken some of the luster off of it, but that all depends on whether or not this becomes a blip in the cultural identity. Like, i don't i don't know I don't know how it's going to shake out with uh with in terms of uh looking at the two novels together but uh I think most people like if if you asked i think there was a, a survey done of British librarians in two thousand and thirteen mm-hmm. uh, that I read in one of these articles, and they asked what was the one book that most people should read or that everybody should read. And they, British librarians, said it should be uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Hmm. So, I don't know. It may or may not have a, a place in literary culture 20 or 30 years from now, but I don't know what would replace it.
0: I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm worried the Ghost of the Watchman is going to diminish the greatness of the novel To Kill a Mockingbird. In much the way same way Wide Sagasso Sea did the same thing to Jane Eyre. Yeah. I doubt that that's going to happen. Do you think uh, Pride and
1: Prejudice and zombie is is going to uh, destroy Pride and Prejudice? But then if you had zombies
0: and Natalie Portman will be in the film, I think it gets released next year.
1: I didn't realize that Guy Ritchie was behind uh, Agent, no, Man from U.N.C.L.E. So now I kind of want to see it. (sighs) No. Yeah, it's got Alicia Vikander in it.
0: Did you watch the Comic-Con trailer? No. It's I don't watch trailers. six and a half mm-hmm. minutes long. There are parts of it where they show you every vehicle that the characters drive in the movie, and then every time a gun gets fired.
1: So you, are you trying to say that the, the trailer spoiled the uh, movie for you?
0: I can't tell you what the plot of the movie is after watching the trailer. It's just nonsensical driving, explosions, gunfire. Huh. It,
1: well, you might be able to make that argument about most action
0: movies. This trailer is such a monstrosity, we should study it.
1: Didn't they say something? And it the goes same on for though? six and a half minutes. It's hard to find a trailer of *To Kill a Mockingbird*. I had to actually make my own for the show. Really? Yeah, I had to put together uh, music with. I think the only trailer, actually, people do that online. They make their own trailers, uh, and I didn't like any of those anyway. But the one that I chose was, uh, I think it's just Gregory Peck talking about the movie, and then it leads into a clip from the movie. It's got the music. Yeah, I was I was playing around with the with the uh garage band trying to put together the show for us. In fact, uh the opening theme music was uh Atticus by the Noisettes. So you should probably check it out. And our closing theme music is Wake Up Boo by the Boo Radleys. So, I like it. Yeah, they got some interesting music out. Both songs can be found out there on iTunes. So and if you go to iTunes, what else should you do?
0: Oh, you should definitely write a review for the show.
1: Yeah, we need some reviews out there. We need to get some more reviews subscribers. Are... By far the best way you can help out the show and uh you can communicate to us whether or not you think we're full of crap on to kill a mockingbird or go set a watchman or whether or not you think uh Mr. Two frames over there is right about uh twelve angry men oh I because now i got he's got one angry man sitting across from him right now. <laughs> he's just tried to destroy America's jurisprudence through his uh interpretations of these classic American novels and movies. <laughs> Uh, but nevertheless, uh where would you go if you had to, if you tried to uh, give us your feedback?
0: Well, you could write the show directly at the laugh podcast at gmail.com You can send us a message on twitter um, yeah. at the laugh Podcast, and we're also on facebook.com slash the awesome. uh we
1: haven't We haven't had any changes
0: yet on the uh box office challenge, have we? Nope, it's been quite two weeks, though I do have Mission Impossible 5.
1: And I, I think I'm up 60 million on you or something like that? Something like
0: that, yeah. You have one film left, Sinister 2, at the end of summer. I've then, got Mission Impossible 5 this weekend, and next weekend I've got Fantastic Four.
1: And you indicated that Mission Impossible 5 might only do 50, 40 million.
0: That's what it's tracking So I'll still right be now. up 10 million. Yeah, and then who knows what Fantastic Four is going to do. So when I read that, People aren't allowed to put out reviews until like three hours of the opening showtime. That is good not for, good. It's looking good for the L train. That's bad. That's almost as bad as not screening a movie for critics. Huh. Yeah,
1: it's the same thing. I mean, the mouse did the same thing, doesn't it? The thing it is, works. things there there will be uh, they will release some of the information about how bad it is in advance. There just won't be anything official.
0: Yeah. So, so the embargo worries me so right. we will see what happens and I think next week we are reviewing Mission Impossible 5 on the show
1: we should be able to I already saw it
0: very nice I will have to get to
1: theaters then looking forward to it I think there was some good writing in, in Go Set of Watchmen though
0: other than the parts that were badly written yeah there is a good line
1: Harper Lee writes prejudice a dirty word and faith a clean one have something in common they both begin where reason ends probably the best line from that book so for Mr. Uh, two frames over there, I'm the L train. It's been a pleasure. Pox said Bonum everybody.
0: there be dragons.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of This Week in Film History. Today's information comes from Gary Cahill, writing for MovieFanfare.com, a wonderful website devoted to put into the discussion of interesting film related topics. This is the last week in July, 2015. If you were around in 1928, you heard the first roar of the MGM mascot's Leo the Lion in White Shadows in the South Sea. In 1966, Adam West makes a starring turn in the film Batman, the first appearance in film of the titular superhero since 1943. And on July 27, 2003, comedy legend Bob Hope died at the ripe age of 100. Thanks for the memories, Bob. And that's this week's This Week in Film History.